to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Last Gen podcast everybody it is your friend your uh your life coach your a uh, fellow neighborhood podcaster it's <laughs> it's Alex please don't ever call me your life coach that's so lame um welcome back to the podcast everybody i hope everyone's doing well good lord is it already the end of september it is that's crazy man that's crazy seriously um just to get some things out of the way before we get into it, uh, I hope, well, I sincerely hope you didn't listen to the last episode of the Last Gen Podcast, last week's episode. Um, and for those who did, <clears throat> I want to sincerely apologize to you guys. Um, I, I thought it would be a good idea to have my my good friend Lilia on for the third and final time. Um, and yes, this will be the final time that she will be on the podcast. Um so I'm sorry if you guys like her or whatever, but you know, enough's enough. Amen. Um, so we had her on, we had the, I, you know, that was probably, it wasn't like, if, if it wasn't the worst podcast recorded in human history, it's close. It was pretty bad. The content, listen, the content was great. Um, but the first 10 minutes of that podcast are ridiculously stupid. Um, I apologize to anyone that listened. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that that brightened up your day just a little bit um just i straight up exposed lilia um anyways apologies but if you haven't listened to it take a chance you should go back listen to it there's a, g- a lot of great content the last or the title was how to avoid um cringy christian friends which is a is a weird title but you you'll see what we mean when we go into it it's it's uh, it was the most laid back conversation that wasn't any like podcast voice it was like welcome to the podcast today today we're giving you three tips on it's not it's not like that it's like very informal and and such so but today i wanted to jump on um it's obviously tuesday if you're listening to this on the on the day of the drop but i wanted to jump on there's something in my spirit um that's been uh, rolling around in there, and, and I wanted to uh, talk to you guys about it. Not only because um, you know it's important to me, but I think it's important to you, and uh, I could make that case in a court of law that it's important to you, regardless of your age. Um, we're coming up on you know you've started the school year if you're in school. If not, you're just starting college. If not, you've just jumped into the workforce. So a lot of new beginnings, a lot of fresh starts. Um, and if you're doing the same old, same old, you can always have a fresh start. If you're dissatisfied with your life, let, let, let me just say this from the, the get-go. If you are dissatisfied with your life, whether you are uh, in middle school, in high school, if you're in college, uh, if you've graduated, if you're in a job that you don't like and you're dissatisfied with your life, it should go without saying that you should change something. I think a lot of times people get into this mode where it's good enough, they're uh, they're paying the bills, 
and their job gets them where they want to be comfortably or their school, they like it a little bit and they, their friend groups, they're fine with it. But the, the idea is like it would be more work to change than to stay the same. And so people stay in the same rut for years and years and years and years being completely dissatisfied with their life. And that's how when people look back over their life, they regret 10 years, 20 years of their life because they they just never changed anything. They were dissatisfied and never changed anything. So it's always in your power to, to make a new beginning, to do a fresh start, a reset on your life. God, God will give you a dream that is not only like tolerable, like your life should not be tolerable. It should be enjoyable. Like you shouldn't be able to, good Lord, if I have to talk to another, and I mean, let alone, you know, pastor, but person, you know, I was talking to a pastor and I was like, hey, how's it going? Like, how, you know, how's everything doing? It's good to see you. I haven't talked to you in a while. How's how's the uh, the ministry going? And he's like, well, you know, I'm trying. I'm like, all right, that's great. Are you still doing this? Are you still doing that? You know, Alex, you know, we're, we're getting by. We're trying. And I'm like, uh, well, that's great to hear. I mean, I, you know, last time I saw the ministry, it was doing great. You know, I'm just trying to be positive. You know, the third time, like legit, the third time, like a robot. You know, man, I'm just trying. And I was like, all right, we have nothing to talk about. I'm sorry. It's, it's insane. Like, change something. How about, I was thinking like, how about stop trying and succeed to do? <laughs> um, but some people's brains don't work like that. So, but I wanted to jump into it today. The reason it's been on my mind, if you guys, you know, some of my friends listen to this, so they'll know, um, but I've mentioned it in passing a couple times. I am making a major life change. Um, I'm, I'm stepping out and probably the biggest thing I've ever done. Actually, yes, the, the biggest change in my life that I've ever done. Many of you know that I had been in Texas for like five months, um, and uh, thank God we're home. <laughs> Not that I hated Texas, but it's good to it's good to be uh, be home and have have full attention on the ministry and and stuff like that again. That that is nice. But God God bless me there. So um, I'm back. I've I've been back for about two weeks, and then a couple days and three days. I'm about to jump into um full time i'm i'm moving to florida um to be closer to um evangelist ted and carolyn um and to help out with the ministry and to be full time there and so i've been thinking about this a lot and it's not only me but it's a lot of my friends and um people i'm close with but not not only that there's i mean you just look at the time of year it's time to make a change if you're anywhere close to my age i'm 18 it's time to step out. There's always time. There's always a time in your life where you, you have to do the biggest thing that you've ever done. You can only stay in high school for so long. You can only be a kid for so long. You know, one, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned um, in the last summer, in this summer, was that for most people, for most people, nothing changes after high school. Absolutely nothing. I've, I encountered like hundreds and hundreds of new, new people that are, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I went to public school and all, so I was used to like high schoolers, middle schoolers that weren't saved and, you know, partying, you know, frat, frat boys type thing. So I'm not a stranger to, to unsafe people, but I had never really encountered like 20 something year olds. Cause you know, what, what am I going to be doing around like, you know, 25 year old frat, 
frat boys, you know? Um, but I encountered a lot of new people this summer. And um, one of the things that struck me, not, not only like, like 25-year-olds, like 35-year-olds, 40-year-olds, who you can clearly see, 50-year-olds, people that are parents of kids, that you can clearly see, man, I, I knew you in high school. Like, I didn't know you, but I knew your type. Like, I, ha- I knew people just like you. Like, there are no new people. There, everyone is like someone. <laughs> and so I look at some people, some adults, and I'm thinking, man, nothing changed after high school, did it? You still are led by your emotions the same way. You still make irrational decisions the same way. I mean, and it's sad to see, but it's like baffling to me. I'm like, good Lord, has anything changed? Have you matured in any way? So, I mean, there always has to be a time. There's, there's a time in your life where you need to step out. You need to step out. And so in, in thinking about this and making my biggest move yet, I've, I've compiled three keys to stepping out in your calling, stepping out in the biggest thing that you've ever done. I know that there's people on the other side of this microphone that are listening to me and they are about to make, or the Lord's been stirring their spirit to make a big choice, whether it is college, like I've been talking about for the past couple months, or it is um, you're going to trade school. Or it is, um, you're already in college, but you're about to, you know, whether you're a sophomore, junior, senior, you're about to go into the workforce, stuff like that. You're going to make a big change and you need to know how to effectively step out in your calling because you can very easily end up like those people, like those adults that I talked about, where yes, they're adults, but they're not really adults. Turning, turning 18 isn't what makes you an adult. That's, that's a fact of life. Turning 18 changes nothing. Turning 21 changes nothing. The only thing that's going to change anything in your life is your revelation of the word and your actions that coincide with it, right? So I was going to save this passage. It's what, it's one of my favorite passages of, of scripture. It's pretty obscure, not that the, the chapter is obscure, but I, you don't hear a lot of people read just this verse and, and preach on it, but it's one of my favorites. It, it's such a, a good, like it hit me when I first read it. Um, it's in the book of Joshua. So if you turn there, Joshua chapter 1, and you know, many people preach, you know, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given you, um, you know, be strong and courageous, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I want to highlight a different verse. So understand the context here. Moses was the leader of Israel, right? He brought Israel out of captivity by the power of God through signs, wonders, miracles, and the entire nations, millions and millions and millions of people looked to him and said, that's our leader. Like, yes, God's our leader, but we're following Moses because he has the authority of God. He was a prophet. He was technically, um, I, I, I heard a preacher say this, you know, recently, and, and it kind of made me think it, it is true. He was kind of like a pastor. So you know, he was the the pretty much political leader. You know, he was. He was the political leader. He was the military leader. He was the spiritual leader of all of Israel, of all the Israelites. Wandering through the desert, they looked to Moses. Moses was the man. Moses was the man. What he said went, and if it didn't go, then uh, there was going to be some trouble for the Israelite people. He was the man. Everyone, you know, with the exception of people that complained and stuff, they respected Moses. They looked up to Moses. If they ever made a mistake, they realized and they repented, and then they started following Moses again because they understood he's the one that has God's authority, right? 
And for my friends in the United States, you'll understand this better than anyone. When there's a change of power, right? When there's a change of political power, let me ask you a question. Does the entire nation who is once loyal to the one leader completely switch over and just change their allegiance to another leader? Is it that easy? Do they just go, okay, we're now going to follow Joe Biden? Um, no. About 23 people, 23, <laughs> close to 23 people approve of Joe Biden. 23% of people <laughs> approve of him. Um, you know, while, while Trump's numbers were in the 50s and so were, so were Obama's. So, you know, like if you take like a great leader of a country like Ronald Reagan, and I know that is a terrible reference to make to like 18-year-olds and like 22-year-olds, but <laughs> Ronald Reagan, I, I love to study about Ronald Reagan. He's my favorite political figure of the past. Um, he was a very popular president. He won, with the exception of one state in 1984, every state. He had the biggest landslide in American history um, against Walter Mondale, if I'm, if I'm not correct, if I'm correct. Mondale and Ferrara. Yes. Um, in 1984, he won with 49 states, 48 or 49 states, um, with the exception of one or two states. He was a popular president, but when he, um, you know, did his two terms and his vice president, H.W. Bush came in, he was not nearly as popular. People didn't like him. And then when Bill Clinton came in, so there's always this turnover of power. People don't just redirect their allegiance to another leader. It doesn't work like that. But when Moses died, right? So Moses died. He laid, before he died, he laid his hands on Joshua and commanded that the same spirit that was in Moses be in Joshua, right? We, we read that in the last chapter of Deuteronomy. But the book of Joshua uh, picks up right after Deuteronomy um, 20, no, 30, 34. Right, so Moses dies, and then um, God says, God starts talking to Joshua because Joshua was the second in command. He was almost like the vice president. And he starts talking to Joshua, and he says this, and this is Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Listen to what he says, verse 2. I want to highlight this. Highlight this in your Bible. It's not going to make sense at first, but trust me. This is what this is the first thing God says to, to Joshua. It's so funny. He says this. He says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's the first thing. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, understand something. If you're Joshua right now, you're thinking, uh, now I know he died. Uh, obviously, he was my leader. He was my spiritual father. He was my mentor. Of course I know he died. God, why are you telling me Moses is dead? Did God know that Joshua knew? Of course he knew. So why is God saying, Moses, my servant, is dead? It's such an abrupt thing to say. And God says it. the first thing he says to Joshua. He says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. When, when God says to Joshua, Moses my, Moses, my servant, is dead, it's almost like he's saying, you can't lean on Moses anymore. He's gone. Now it's your turn. You can't lean on Moses anymore. He's gone. Now it's your turn. And there's a time in everyone's life where they realize, I can't lean on my youth pastor anymore. I'm leaving. Now it's my turn. 
I can't lean on my parents anymore. I'm leaving. Now it's my turn. I can't lean on my, my pastor, my friends. I've got to have a time where I step out. And this is your time. So when you do, there's three keys. When you do eventually step out into the biggest thing that you, you, you're going to do, you have to do it the right way because you'll end up like those adults I talked about. So number one, first key. Keys to stepping out in your calling. Number one, dispel, and I'll go pretty quickly in these because I took a, a while on the intro. Number one, dispel the myth that you have time. Dispel the myth that you have time. You'll have every adult. Once you get on fire for God and you hear from the Lord what you're called to do, whether that be college or not, whether that be the ministry or not, whether it be law, uh, med school, whatever you're called to do, construction, a trade, a craft, whatever you're called to do, adults, for some reason, have the tendency, and not good adults. I mean, your good spiritual authority and good leadership will not tell you this, but they have a tendency to want, they see your zeal in your youth, and sometimes that strikes uh, conviction in their heart because they look at you and they think, I used to be that excited. Man, I used to be that passionate. I used to be that, that uh, full of zeal for the Lord. I used to read my Bible like that. I used to pray like that. I used to have friends like that. I used to want to jump into things quickly like that. But now I lost it. It's gone. I'm not as passionate as I used to be. So subconsciously, a lot of times, and I'm not saying all adults do this. I'm not saying your parents are automatically doing this. But a lot of times it strikes conviction in their heart. And so their response is to try to chill you out. Listen, I know you're passionate, all, but you have time. Okay. You're, you're 18. You're 16. You're only 16. You have time. Go to have fun now. Hang out with your friends. You can be a kid. You're allowed to be a kid. Hang out with your friends now. Go to college. See if it's something that you like. You'll never know if you like it until you try it, right? And so the tendency is for adults to try to chill you out and to get you to not be uh, so gung-ho about things. And I could definitely relate to that. I, Man, let me tell you, when I, you know, I talked about it in a podcast like two, two weeks ago, when I made the decision to be serious for the Lord, I made the decision and I wasn't going back. I meant like I was ready to leave tomorrow. Like I was like, I, you know, I, I, gra I graduated high school early cause I was like, I'm not messing around with this. I'm done. And I, I, I didn't drop out. I, if I, if I, if it came down to it, I would have, but I was like ready. I was like, let's do it. I want to go full-time ministry now, right now. There was such a passion to me. I wanted to go and I'm still like that. I, I'm, I'm ready to go. But you have to be careful. There will, there will be people that will try to chill you out. And then subconsciously, and it'll get in your mind where you're like, okay, you know, I, I am taking this a little bit seriously. I'm 18. Like I could think that I'm 18. You know, what if, okay, let me just go to college for four years. You know, I, what, four years? I'm still going to be 22. I'm still young. You know, there's other 22-year-olds who start in the ministry at 22. I don't need to move to the most expensive housing market in the United States at 18. I think I'm being a little bit crazy. 
I could do that. It would be easy. It would be way easier for me to stay in my parents' house. But I know that is not what God has me to do. Dispel this myth that you're super young. You know, is 18 young? Sure, it's young compared to like old people. But it's not too young to do something. Is 16 young? I, I don't know about that. All of the people that Jesus called by name, all of his disciples were between the ages of 17 and 25. So there's 17-year-olds that dropped everything to be a disciple, an apostle. So is 17 old? Is 17 young? I don't know. Start while you're young. 14's not too young. Good Lord, do something at 14. Do something at 15. You know, there's, there's, I'm going to read you this, this passage of scripture. Everyone quotes this, but they don't actually mean it. I really, I really don't think they mean it. You know, this is like the quote of every friggin' youth group in America. This is their, their go-to scripture. But when it really comes down to it, I don't know how many people believe it. First Timothy chapter four. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy is a young man, very young man, and he's leading a church. He's doing the biggest thing that he's ever done, stepping out in it and, and, and stepping out into his calling. This is Paul's instruction. We all know verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. This is what this is the next his next instruction verse 13 Until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to exhortation and to teaching This is where I want to highlight many people skip over this they just stop at 12 Do not neglect the gift you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you verse 15 this is it Practice these things immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress Paul's saying, throw yourself into these tasks. Completely throw yourself into it. What do you want to do in life? What is your calling? Are you a construction worker? Throw yourself into the task. Are you a preacher? Throw yourself. You're not too young. You don't have as much time as you think you do. As soon as you get in the mindset of, oh, I can chill out, you'll always think that. Well, you know, it, it, I think it was Dr. Rodney Howard Brown who said, you know, they'll tell you you're too young. Wait, really, you know, you're too young to reach this generation. You need to, you know, be have some authority and some, you know, you have to have a wife. You know, nobody's going to listen to you if you don't have a wife, preacher. No one's going to listen to you, young woman, if you don't have a husband. Or no one's going to take you seriously as a businessman if, you, if you're not this age. They'll tell you you're too young until they'll tell you you're too old. Well, really, they're only listening to young people now. It's like, okay, so what's the right age? There is none. People will always be dissatisfied. Use the zeal that you have now. You're not too young. In fact, you, I, I almost think sometimes, good Lord, I wasted so much time. I could have been doing this two years ago. And it ticks me off. Don't get, don't get comfortable or think you're, you're, you're somewhere in life if you started young. I mean, praise God for you. Praise God. And I'm, I'm the same way. Like, praise God you started young. But don't get into the mindset where it's like, okay, well, I started young. It's not like you can, you can like um, get ahead and then chill out. Now I can put it on cruise control because I started off. No, 
No, no, no. You don't have as much. Life is but a vapor. That's what the Bible says. Here, to, here today, gone tomorrow. You don't have as much time as you think you do. I mean, let alone the fact that Jesus could come back tomorrow. You know, I would, <laughs> I'll, I'll end this point with this, but I was so, like, when I was 12, 13, 14, I was legit so scared. This would be my prayer every day. Like, le- legit, this would be my prayer. Lord, I was so, like, eternity conscious. Like, Lord, please don't come back. Please don't rapture me until I at least start my ministry. <laughs> I was scared that Jesus was going to come back before I could start the ministry. <laughs> I was like, I wanted so bad to start the ministry. And I thought, I thought Jesus was going to come back. And I was like, Lord, please, at least let me start. At least let me preach one time. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to have that. You've got to have that or else you'll become lazy like most, most American Christians. So number one, dispel the myth that you have time. You're not as young as you think you are. Number two, and I'm sorry to all the ladies that, you know, that offended, but whatever. Um, number two, this is important. Get moving. Get moving. Get moving. There's a, there's a big push in the American Christian church to talk all about rest and about how it's not about what we do. It's about what he did. And sometimes just the busyness of life gets in the way. And sometimes we just, and that's true. That it, let, let me just say it right off the bat. Rest is important. It's a topic that needs to be talked about. And there's, and it's 100% true. You can't just go all the time. Like you need to take a vacation like, like my uncle and aunt just did. They work nonstop. Like, good Lord. I've never seen, and you know, I've never seen someone like a family work that hard nonstop on the road. And if he's not preaching, if she's not preaching, they're doing other stuff to help the ministry. He's nonstop, nonstop. So of course, if you're doing that, you need to take a rest and, and you know, do what the Bible says. And it tells you to rest. It commands you to rest. That's, that's a, a, a doctrine. God rested on the seventh day. Okay. But sometimes I wonder when we're there, when people talk to youth, I wonder like, is that really the problem we have in our generation? <laughs> like, it makes me laugh. Like, I don't, like, yes, it's important to talk about rest, but I don't know if I would, like, gear a whole youth sermon. Is that really what the problem is in our generation? Like, yeah, I just I just see Gen Z. They're just working too hard. <laughs> is that really the issue that we have? Everyone's just, everyone just doesn't have a good understanding of grace. It's like people who try to chill you out on sin. Like, how many know, you know, you have to understand grace. It's not about being perfect. It's like, dude, is that really what people need more of in this generation is more a lackadaisical view of sin? I don't think so. I think it's quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. So it's important to rest, but understand to be qualified to rest, you have to work for six days. (laughs) Okay. So get the second point, get moving. When you feel the call and you know what the direction is, get moving. Um, since it's, you know, everyone who follows, uh, you know, it's, it's very interconnected just because of the last name, but you know, you all follow my uncle evangelist, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., um, many of you follow his dad, you know, they're all in the ministry, but his cousin evangelist, Jonathan, who's a pastor now, 
um, I was watching one of his things and he's been talking about, you know, and it really hit me. He's been talking about um, dispelling this whole idea of a season of waiting, a season of waiting. And he pointed out this scripture that like shocked me and it shocked me because it's so plain, but I'd never heard anyone preach on it. And it's ridiculous. It's like, how, how do people miss this? It's, it's really not only like a mistake, but it's like an, it's like a hermeneutical mistake. It's a, it's a biblical interpretation mistake that people make all the time on this passage. Many of you know the Exodus story. It's in Exodus chapter 12. We'll go there. Or is where I'm going 14? I think it's 14. Yeah, we'll, we'll start at 14. So, so they're crossing the Red Sea, right? Pharaoh's army is behind the Israelites. They're stuck up. They, they face the Red Sea and they don't know what to do. This is what Moses says, right? And many people quote this as if it's what God said, but it's not what God said. It's what Moses said. Moses said this, fear not. He's talking to the people of, uh, of Israel. Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. Some translations say, just be still still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's always what people quote. How many know we just have to be still and watch his salvation? We don't have to do anything. It's his battle, so he'll, he'll do the work. It's like, yes, God will fight for you, but understanding this concept in this context, when Moses says this, he doesn't get a hand clap from God. He gets rebuked for saying this. I've never seen it before. Fear not. He says, fear not, stand for him. He says, you only have to be still. Moses is chilling the people out like, be still, just believe that God's going to do it. And this is what God said. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. He's almost like in one translation in the NLT, it says, um, why are you crying out to me? Get moving. <laughs> he says, get moving. And that's, that's the second point. Get moving. Why are you praying about something you already have direction on? Get moving. Well, we just have to be still. No, get moving. There's a part you play. That's how you step out. You know, in, in stepping out, there's the actual stepping out right? Pretty, uh, pretty deep revelation, but you've got to like, go, go. It's not be still and believe that all the earth will be saved. It's go into all the world and preach the gospel. See how all those are action words. Yet the American church hates action words. They love charismatics, love soaking in his presence. They love they love worship. And listen, there's nothing wrong with worship. Worship is good. You, We should be worshiping God. But there's a point in time where you stop worshiping and you start doing. The It's like the complete opposite. Baptists are all about going. They're all about preaching. They're all about going into all the world. They're all about making strategies, plans, getting buses to bring people to church and missions and stuff like that. And charismatics are all about, and, and Pentecostals, they're all about soaking and praying that God would bring in the harvest and bring revival. And I, I felt, you know, I felt stirred up about this, but re, you got to understand revival is not something that just comes. Revival is another name for a person. You know how Jesus said when he was talking to, um, uh, when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he's talking to Martha and Mary and he says, um, you know, she says, well, I, I believe he'll rise again one day in the resurrection. And Jesus says, 
he says this. He says, he says, I am the resurrection. Well, in the same way, when people say, well, we're, we're, we're waiting for revival. You know, God's going to bring revival. The Holy Spirit is thinking, I am revival. Revival isn't something that the Holy Spirit does. It, it's what he is. He is revival. And he's been given 2,000 years ago. So what's all the waiting about? What's all the waiting about? You know, really, what are you waiting on? There's a ton of people who set out to do something like, I'm going to start this crusade. Oh, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm believing with you. That's going to be powerful. Um, that's awesome. And then, you know, eight months later, what, what happened, bro? Oh, well, you know, I just, I'm going to start this Bible study. All right, bro. You know, I almost, I almost, when people say stuff, I'm like, all right, it's not, and it's not that I, I have doubt that, that God's going to do it. I have doubt that they're going to do it. It's like, okay, sure, bro. <laughs> like I take it with a grain of salt. Like I'm not doubting the Lord. I'm doubting you. I'll believe it when I see it. Do it. I'm going to move. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> so it's like, step out. You've got to step out. There's a time where you leave everything behind and you step out. Get moving. Let me see if I wrote anything else on that point. Exodus 14, Joshua 1. Just like God said to, to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. That's all you have to, that scripture right there gets me excited. Moses, my servant is dead. He's reminding Joshua, you can't be waiting. What are you waiting on? Step out, get moving, do something. For all my friends who are called into the ministry, well, I don't have any, I don't have any, um, uh, I don't have any opportunities. Nobody's invited me to preach. Who, who invited who to preach? Who invited Philip to preach to the Samaritans or into Samaria? Who invited him? Who invited Paul in every, literally every city that he went to? Who invited him? No one invited him. Like nobody invited me to do, to do a crusade. I wasn't like someone put it together and like, they were like, Oh, we need a speaker, Alex. Why don't you? No, I wasn't invited. No, <laughs> just do it. You know, like, with the, with the advancements in technology we have today, having Instagram on your phone, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, you've almost got no excuse. Like, you don't have to be invited. Just start preaching. <laughs> Same thing with business. Just start doing. If you want to make a jewelry brand, do it. If you want to make a t-shirt company, do it. You know? I mean, like, YouTube. I, I, I mean, I can't. I'm not going to talk about YouTube. I'll get, I'll get into it because people... People talk a lot, but they don't want to do. They don't want to do. So it has to be a time where you step out. There has to be a, a, like, when are you moving? I've got a plan. It's next month. By this time, I'll be gone. Like, that's that's what it means. That's what stepping out is. Like, by this time, like, I've applied to college. I believe God's going to do it. But, you know, it's it's stepping out. It's actually taking responsibility and taking action. You can't be a kid forever. <laughs> All right, so number one, keys to step out in your calling. Number one, dispel the myth that you have time. Number two, get moving. Don't get stuck in a season of waiting. And number three, and this is important, once you make that decision to step out, number three, burn your bridges. Burn your bridges. Now, what does that mean? What does it not mean? It does not mean everyone who was once associated with your life 
you know, like I can't talk to you anymore. I'm better than you. That's not what I'm, I mean, don't, don't burn relationships. If, if they're God given relationships, don't, don't do that. That's stupid. What I'm saying is burn every single thing that you could possibly fall back on in a time of weakness. When I was out in Texas, what we were doing is, uh, is sales and, and the ratio that they bring, they, they purposely bring people out of their state 2,000 miles away because they don't want you to be distracted by, you know, it's intense. Like the hours are intense and it's, it's a hard job. And that's why you'll start with like 80 people and end up with like 30 because the majority leave. And the one tip that, um, my manager gave, and he was on the podcast, Ralph, um, and he's a, he's a great leader and, and, and very wise. But what, what he said was, he said, the number one thing I tell people when they come out is you've got to burn your bridges. If you have something to fall back on, you'll never go 100% at it. If you have this job back home that you can always take, then you'll never You'll never go full full on what God's called you to do because you can think, well, if this doesn't work out, I can always go to plan B. Burn your plan B. Get rid of it. Jesus said this in, in Luke 9, 61 and 62. He says, if I could find it. Here it is. Luke 9, 61, 62. <coughs> okay, so someone said to him, right? He's asking people to follow him, right? And he says this, Yet, and another said to him, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those who are at my home. The New Living says, Yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Simple request, right? You should say bye to your family, right? This is what Jesus says. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Once you make your decision, you've got to burn every bridge. Don't don't have anything to fall back on because you will. If things don't work out just slightly, your mind will instantly go, well, I've got that secular job or I've got that that uh, j- that high school job that I always had that my manager said. You know, you, you've got to make it clear to everyone, when I go, it's over. Like, not it's over like our relationship. Like, when I go, I'm not coming back. And it doesn't have to mean when you're moving. Like, not everyone's going to move, like locations, but... It's the same thing if you're staying in your town, but you're just setting out to do something new. You've got to make it clear to the people around you, I'm starting this new thing and I will not go back. It will succeed because I've got no other option. You have to tell that high school boss, say, I will not come back here. God's called me to something else. I will not come back. And don't hire me. And you know what that shows to God? It shows you actually believe him. <laughs> that, that takes balls. It takes guts to burn every safety, every plan B, every safety uh, net. Reminds me of the call of Elijah or Elisha. In 1 Kings 19, we'll turn there real quick and then we'll end it. 1 Kings 19. Where is it at? Okay, 1 Kings 19. Elijah was the, the prophet of the nation, the main prophet. He just confronts Ahab, and then he comes and he finds this man named Elisha. Okay, the call of Elisha. 
First Kings nineteen nineteen. So he, Elijah, the older prophet, departed from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen. So what he's saying is, he's, I'm giving you my mantle. And what that means was, I'm, you're, you're the next in line. Like, you're my successor. And Elijah's famous. So this was not, like, he wasn't thinking like, oh, I wonder who this dude is who just threw his jacket at me. No, he knew who, who he was. He probably was thinking, holy crap, that's Elijah. Like, a national uh, prophet. Like, famous. Okay? Passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And Elisha, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Elijah said, go back, for what have I done to you? He's being sarcastic. He's being pretty snarky. He's saying like, sure, go, go kiss your mom and dad. Because I, you know, that wasn't important what I just did for you. <laughs> and he returned from following him. And Elisha probably, you know, came to his senses. He probably thought, oh, shoot. Yeah, that was a pretty big deal. And I'm not going to mess this up. And he went back, but he didn't go back to kiss his mom and dad. What he did was... And Elijah never asked him to do this, but he did it. He said, and he, and he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yoke of oxen and gave it to the people. And they ate. He arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. He killed all of his means of living. Like that's how he lived. That was his, his job. Just like Peter uh, or you know Simon at the time and Andrew, who they, they were career fishermen, they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Elijah made a pretty pretty big statement when he killed the oxen because he can't come back. He literally killed them. He burned every bridge. He's like, this has got to work out because faith doesn't have a plan B. And if you have a plan B, like uh, that's not faith, and you probably will fall on your face. You need to completely trust God. <laughs> I've never once thought, well, if the ministry doesn't work out, that, that, <laughs> what is, <laughs> good Lord, burn your bridges, not people, but anything that you could fall back on as a safety net, right? Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single young person about to step out into the biggest thing that you've ever called them to do, just like I am. Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon them. And Lord, as they step out and trust you with bold faith, that you would not let them fall, but you would take them higher than they could ever imagine to go. Lord, let them not get tripped up by their age and think they're too young. Lord, let them not uh, let anyone despise them for their age. Lord, put a boldness in them that's not going to let anything stop them from doing what you've called them to do. Any person that's moving to a new city, a new state, a new country, a new nation. Lord, I pray that you'd supernaturally assist them. I, I command finances to come in from every direction for those who it's to who it's required. I command finances to come in to do what you've called them to do, Lord. You called them to do it, and they're being faithful. And Lord, we put you to your word. We hold you to your word that said you would provide. No good thing would you withhold from them that walk uprightly. 
So Lord, in this new season of their life, Lord, supernaturally assist them and bless them with finances to do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those who are stepping out and their family is not um, understanding or does not like the fact that they've stepped out. Lord, I pray that you'd soften their hearts to see the call that you've put on their life. Lord, make it a seamless transition. Let not one relationship be harmed. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, say out loud, amen. All right, guys, I I hope this hope this helped you. I really think it helps some people. Um yeah. Good episode. Well, I love you guys. Follow us on Instagram. If you have any questions, you can sign up for our super phone. You can text my phone directly with any questions, any um, you know, updates, and I'll, I'll text you out. I think I'm going to send out a text soon. But if you want to be a part of that list and have my personal number, um, it is go to lastgen, L-A-S-T-G-E-N dot superphone dot I-O, or you could go to miracleword.com slash lastgen. Um, and there'll be a form there to fill it out and fill it out so I can contact you. I won't sell your information to the Chinese government, maybe. And um, it'll be good. I love you guys. I'll check back in with you later. Later.